Amen. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Jesse. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 72. Psalm 72, and as you make your way there, I want to express my thanks to several people. Number one, thank you, uh, Brother Victor. Victor, where are you? Thank you for preaching last week and doing such a great job um, covering a very difficult passage, uh, but uh, I appreciate that, and I appreciate uh, the chance to get away and uh, rest a little bit and spend time together as a family, so uh, thank you for allowing our family to get away a little bit. Psalm 72, and... Typically on a Sunday morning, we go through the Gospel of Matthew, but on the last Sunday of every month, maybe you're a guest here and you wonder what's going on. On the last Sunday of every month, we talk about prayer. The emphasis for our church in 2023 is prayer. We're learning how to pray, how to form our prayers, how to be a church that prays. And so that's this Sunday, and we want to talk about prayer What does it mean to pray? And this morning I want us to talk about the relationship between the Psalms and our prayers. He won the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1995 for, quote, works of lyrical beauty and ethical depth which exalt everyday miracles and the living past. Uh, But he was a more than competent translator. In 2000 he released a translation of that, that great epic poem of Beowulf, if you know that he translated that and it was widely acclaimed to be a great translation. I'm talking about an Irish poet named Seamus Heaney. Now, if you try to sound that out, you will not get it. But it's S E A M U S, and then Heaney is H E A N E Y. Seamus Heaney. I'd encourage you to look him up. He's a, uh, maybe read one of his poems. Uh, but there's a poem he has, I think, that can orient us towards psalms and prayers because he has this poem called Station Island and in Station Island 11 there's a poem there's a part in the poem where he talks about his experience that he had in confession so Heaney's Irish he's Catholic he's going to confession and the priest in the confessional tells him uh, read poems as prayers and then the priest tells him and for your penance, translate me something by St. John of the Cross. or St. John of the Cross was Spanish, so he would have been called Juan de la Cruz. Uh, and in that poem, Station Island 11, Heaney actually does that. He translates a poem by Juan de la Cruz. But this line of read poems as prayers, that, that sticks out to me as a point we need to consider. And I want us to do that this morning. I want us to consider how we as Christians can utilize and integrate the psalms into our prayer life. Now you might ask, what does a line from a poem by an Irish Catholic Nobel laureate have to do with how we read the psalms? Well, the answer to that question comes from, well, can you guess who? I'll give you a wild guess. Come on. I heard it. C.S. Lewis. Thousand points to Angel. C.S. Lewis, yes, we find the answer in his book, Reflection on the Psalms. A great book I would recommend to you. Uh, but there he says this. What must be said, however, is that the Psalms are poems. And the Psalms must be read as poems. As lyrics with all the licenses and all the formalities, the hyperboles, the emotional rather than the logical connections, which are proper to lyric poetry. And then he says this, they must be read as poems 
if they are to be understood. So follow the logic here, okay? According to Lewis, the Psalms are poems. And they must be read as poems. And we should read poems as prayers, according to Heaney. And I wonder, have you ever considered this? Have you ever read the Psalms as prayers? Sure, we read them as songs. We might read them even as poems. But have we read them as prayers? We talk about the Psalms being the Bible songbook. Paul in Colossians 3.16 says that we ought to teach and admonish one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we have it in that song category. and We recognize them, but have we ever reckoned with them as prayers? Now, I know some of you might be saying, well, it's all well and good what Heaney and Lewis say, but is there any biblical foundation for this? Well, I think there is, otherwise we wouldn't be saying it. When we get to Psalm 72, there's one line in verse 20 that I want to focus on as we unpack this idea of reading the Psalms as prayers. When we look at Psalm 72 verse 20, we read a verse that comes at the end of a collection within the book of Psalms. There's five books within the book of Psalms. We're coming to the end of book two, okay? And then notice what it says. It says, the prayers of David, son of Jesse, are concluded, The prayers of David. But I I thought these were songs. I thought these were psalms. Weren't they? Yes, but they're also prayers. So we should read them as psalms and prayers. And in fact, if you went through the Psalter, you would find numerous instances where this shows up. For example, in Psalm 17, in the superscription, that that little writing underneath the title that you might skip over when you read a psalm. In Psalm 17, it says, A prayer of David. And then in verse 1, David goes on to say, Lord, hear a just cause. Pay attention to my cry. Listen to my prayer. What's the prayer? The rest of Psalm 17. You go to Psalm 86, and it has the same thing, a prayer of David. If you flip over just a little bit to Psalm 90, the superscription says it's a prayer of Moses. Eugene Peterson has a line in his book, Answering God, the Psalms as Tools for Prayers. He says, the Psalms are poetry and the Psalms are prayer. This is the texture of the text. And I love that phrase, the texture of the text. They're poems and they're prayers. So if we read Psalms as prayers, how do they instruct us how to pray? You see where we're going? If we understand that they're prayers, they instruct us how to To pray, how can we integrate the psalm into our prayers? I want to suggest to you three basic ways. Three ways you can incorporate the psalms into your prayer life. Now, nothing I'm going to say this morning is groundbreaking, earth-shattering. It's going to rock your world. But I hope that by the end of our time together, you will be able to begin thinking of the psalms, reading the psalms, and using the psalms to fill your prayer life, to grow your prayer life, to deepen your prayer life, to stretch your prayer life. So what's the first way to incorporate the psalms? Number one, let the psalms inform your theology of prayer. Let the psalms inform your theology of prayer. Understand this. The psalms teach us why to pray. They teach us why to pray. And because of this, the psalms can inform our theology of prayer. You say, how do they teach us why to pray? Well, listen to Psalm 62, verses 1 through 3. Okay? It says, God, hear my cry. Pay attention to my prayer. 
I call to you from the ends of the earth when my heart is without strength. Lead me to a rock that is higher than I. This is the psalmist saying, hear me, hear my prayer, hear my cry. David says this, and how can he say that? Well, verse 4 begins with for or because. So David cries out, why? Because of who God is. He says, you have been a refuge for me, a strong tower in the face of my enemy. We pray because of who God is. That's why we pray. So Psalms, the book of Psalms, inform our theology of prayer by helping us understand that prayer is a response to God. Prayer is a response to God. To quote Peterson again, he says, The Psalms train us in responding to God. We don't learn the Psalms until we are praying them. So what we see is that prayer is a response to who God is and what he's done. Is this how we think about prayer? As a response? Sometimes we think of prayer as initiating. And God responds. But prayer is responding to God who initiates. Daniel Brenzel has a book called Answering Speech, The Life of Prayer as a Response to God. And I came across this book in my study, and it was one of those things where it was great to find the book, but it was also terrible because I thought, hey, this idea of prayer as a response to God, that sounds like a good book idea. Well, then I find somebody already wrote that book. But anyway... He says prayer is properly our word of response to the God who initiates the conversation. So there's a flip and there's maybe a turning that has to take place in our understanding of prayer. Don't miss this. Prayer is not so much about you initiating a meeting with God. It's about you joining a meeting that God initiated and welcomes you into. God already established that relationship and that meeting in Christ. He established that relationship. God meets us in the incarnation. He meets us through the Spirit so that when we pray, we're not initiating something that wasn't there. Or we're joining something that God has established. Prayer is a response to God meeting with you. When you come to prayer, you are never the first one to show up. It's not like, do you remember when you would, uh, during COVID, you would go on those Zoom calls and you're like waiting and waiting and maybe you'd be the first one and then people would show up. That's not how it is when we pray with God. We're never the first ones to show up. So think about this. Prayer is not the creation of a relationship or creating one out of thin air. God did that in Christ through his death, resurrection, what he did on the cross. God established that relationship. So prayer, think of it this way. Prayer is not a kickstart ignition. It's not like you have to kickstart the relationship to get it going. It's not an attempt to light the fire of communion with God. God has already lit the fire. God has already set the meeting place. God in his grace and his compassion and his goodness, his kindness, his love, his gentleness, his 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 goodness he established that fire so what is prayer prayer is coming and sitting down and being warmed prayer is taking a seat and being being warmed by the fire of his glory his goodness his holiness his wisdom and his love prayer is to take him at his word 
and respond to his promises with belief and trust. Even the most distressing psalms that you can read, even the ones we would probably label lament psalms demonstrate this. Even in those times where you feel like you're praying and God maybe, you know he listens, you know that up here, but you don't feel it here. He says in Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Then verses 5 and 6 come along. It says, I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. So even when you feel abandoned, prayer is a response that says God is still there. God is still faithful. So prayer, if it's informing our theology, uh, the Psalms are informing our theology of prayer. Prayer is enjoying the relationship that God initiated in Christ. Prayer is responding to that. So one, one minor point of application that we can make here. Uh, sometimes people ask about their devotional time, their quiet time. And they say, should I pray first or should I read my Bible first? And, and, and I don't want to set a, kind of a legalistic, like if you do it any other way other than what I say, you're doing it wrong. But I think there's certainly a benefit to reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture, and then launching out into prayer. Because what you're doing is you're shaping your prayer time around the structure of prayer. If prayer is responding to God who has spoken first, then our quiet time maybe should be God speaks first and then we respond. You see what I'm saying? So, prayer doesn't always have to be preceded by Scripture, but I don't think any of us would say that it's unhelpful when it is. So, number one, let the Psalms inform your theology of prayer. Number two, let the Psalms fill and form your prayers. Let the Psalms fill and form your prayers. Here, what I mean is this. The Psalms, that they grow our vocabulary, our, our prayer language. The Psalms can give our prayers structure. The Psalms can help expand the ways and the means that we express ourselves. Have you ever found yourself, you, you were trying to express yourself in prayer and you just couldn't find the words? For some reason, your, your limited vocabulary that you have just could not put it into the right words what you wanted to say. Sometimes the Psalms will give us the language we need to be able to express ourselves. So they not only fill your prayers, but form your prayers. They can structure and plan your prayers. So let's talk about these separately. Number one, the Psalms fill your prayers. How do they do this? Well, they can fill your prayers with wonderful images, wonderful metaphors, beautiful, beautiful language. I mean, it's one thing to, to pray and use kind of logical, Western, non-image language. But think about all the times that we use images in our prayer. We start out our prayers with an image, right? With a relationship. We say, Heavenly Father, right? That, that's, a, that's a relationship. That's an, an image we are thinking through. We're thinking about God as Father. Listen to Psalm 91, verses 2 through 4. It says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust... For he will deliver you from the bird trap and from the deadly pestilence. Have you, ever been, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I don't know what to do. There's no way out. I don't know how I'm going to make it out of this. 
You can pray that and there's nothing wrong with that. But then, but then the Psalms come along and they say he's going to deliver you out of a bird trap. It says the same thing, but, but in a different way. It says he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. So do you see how the Psalms give you language that maybe is not natural to you? Maybe that's not how you, you bend when you think about prayer. So how do you do this? How do you let it fill, the Psalms fill your prayers? There's two ways you can do this. Number one, memorize Psalms. Memorize verses. Memorize those languages, uh, those verses that have language that, that speak to you, that help you say what you want to say. That give you images that you can use to pray. Sometimes it'll give you an image and, and you can run with that image. Some of you who, who might work with livestock, you see this language of he will cover you with his feather and under his wings. You might be able to take that, that image a little bit further. If, if you work with, with animals and, and you hear about the lamb, you hear Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. You might know a lot about being a shepherd and you can take that image and pray through that. So memorize psalms, memorize verses and whole psalms. But then the second way you can do this is pray through psalms. So in this case, what you do is you take a psalm and you sit down with it and you go through it and pray it, right? If we believe that the Holy Spirit inspired these scriptures, then verse 1 was meant to come before verse 2, right? So if you pray that way, there, there's a God-given structure that you can pray through. And sometimes this is good for us because what it does is it shakes it up a bit. But it also gets us out of the routine. Some of us, we just naturally launch out into, into requests. Soon as we pray, God, this is what I need. But then we sit down with a psalm, like I don't know, Psalm 103. And it says, bless the Lord. And then it says, and forget not all his benefits. So maybe praying through a psalm helps to say, you know, I need to pause and I just need to bless the Lord. I just need to spend time giving praise to God. So you could pray through the text of the psalms. But another way you could pray through the psalms is use a devotional. There are several devotionals that go through the psalms. Tim Keller has one called the Songs of Jesus. Eugene Peterson praying with the psalms. Dane Ortland, In the Lord I Take Refuge, 150 Meditations, goes through each psalm with a short prayer. Trevin Wax has uh, one called The Psalms in 30 Days. Those are just some resources. And by the way, I'm going to give you some more resources. We have a little, I have a little sheet here with all these resources. If, if you didn't get all that, come get a sheet afterwards. It has all of these on here. But the point is this, a psalm-filled prayer life is a scripture-filled prayer life so let the psalms fill your prayers but then let the psalms form your prayers when it comes to letting the psalms form our prayers i want to look at it from two angles first of all we've kind of already talked about this it gives us a pattern a shape and these you think of it like building blocks and oftentimes we hear these building blocks in the, in the shape of an acronym like acts right Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, which just means making requests. Supplication is not really a word we use very often in our day-to-day -day discourse. But, but these are building blocks of prayer, and we can move those around. The, the Psalms show us praise, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, requests, lament, honest con honesty, 
uh, anger, frustration, fear, anxiety, all of those things are, are brought before the Lord. And so these forms, these shapes can help us form and shape the structure of our prayer. So, so think of them as chunks. And if you pray through a psalm, you can let that psalm structure your prayer time. But there's a second way I want us to think of it. And it's the idea of forming our prayers based on the idea that the psalms are written prayers. The psalms are, are works of art. If they're, they're poetry, there's a, a dedication, there is a, uh, an artistry to them. They are written. They are structured. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but have you ever tried writing out a prayer? And then rewriting it. And then editing it. Changing it. Such that you are, you are praying and, and working out this prayer. And, and this is before the Lord, obviously. But, but, but it gets you thinking. It gets you thinking, what do I mean by this? Is this what I'm asking God? Writing out a prayer, I think, would be a helpful practice. And you say, well, where, you know, do we see this in the Psalms? Well, I think one of the best places to see the artistry and the intentionality in the Psalm is in the Psalms that are called acrostic Psalms. These are Psalms in which every verse or every, a number section of verses begin with the letter of the alphabet. So in English, it would be, you know, seven verses that start with the letter A. And then the next section, they all start with B. Right? That's design. That takes time. You, you, don't just, you don't just sit down and pray that at your kitchen table like that. And so there is a, a required meditation. There's a, there's a patience that has to happen if we're going to write prayers like that. Uh, Peterson says this in his book. He says, God has given us a book of Psalms as our worship prayer book. It is a guide to personal prayer and a model for corporate prayer. And we normally think of psalms as expressing the heights and the depths of emotion rather than reason, discourse. And there is a truth to this. But then he says, however, it's helpful to consider how much thought as well as inspiration went into these prayers. So if we let the psalms form our prayers, what if we took an approach to prayer that we, we sat with a prayer for a while? We wrote it and we rewrote it. And we prayed it over and over again as we made those changes. Prayer is a response to God, but this does not mean that it's always and must always be spontaneous, extemporaneous response to God. If the Psalms are written prayers, could there not be some benefit for us to write down our prayers? Um, the idea of written prayers comes across you know particularly as baptists we don't we, we probably don't like the idea of written prayers that that sounds too high church that sounds too too formal you know charles spurgeon in his lecture to my students says that you should never pray written prayers because you it's it's not welling up from within it you, you can be not dependent on the spirit and there's there's some reasons why we have a problem with this and and we can, if you're really interested in why that is, I have ideas. You could talk to me afterward. But, but written prayers, can, they can lead to formality. They can lead to uh, a lack of emotion, a lack of genuineness. But if that's true in all cases of written prayers, then what do we do with the Psalms? 
Was David being too formal and too not dependent on the Spirit? And Moses, when he wrote down his prayer? Do not, when you read the Psalms, don't they excite your emotions? Don't they fan the flames of your spiritual life? So yes, there is some benefit to written prayers. Um, during the Reformation, and not all the prayers found in, in the, the worship services and the liturgies of the Reformation, not all of them were written, but a lot of them were. Uh, they were thoughtfully prepared. That they, uh, they were well crafted to say exactly what was wanted to be said. So the reformers would do this, not that it's necessarily better, but they, they wanted to have written prayers that were studied, that, that had a scriptural emphasis, that, that were a corrective to aimless sermons. You ever prayed it? You ever, or aimless prayers, you ever, you ever heard a prayer that just kind of meandered? There was no direction, and, and maybe you prayed that prayer. So the Psalms are poems, they're prayers, and I think there's a benefit to, to crafting thoughtful study prayers. And I think another, another application of this is that, that we miss out if we ignore other written prayers. There's such a vast treasure of written prayers in church history. Not just in the Psalms, but, but in, in a, a whole wealth of, of literature. A couple of resources to be aware of is a book called Valley of Vision. This is a collection of Puritan written prayers that have stood the test of time. Uh, Matthew Henry has a book called A Way to Pray. He has written prayers that help you develop your prayer life. If you need structure and you're, you're kind of beginning you know, to take prayer seriously, that's a book I would recommend to you. Uh, there's a book called Be Thou My Vision, a daily liturgy for worship. It contains written prayers. And, and all the resources that I mentioned before have written prayers. So, so read written prayers, pray written prayers, write your own prayers, edit them, rewrite them, try to make them beautiful, pray through them as you write them. And even try to create beautiful works of prayer. So if we let the Psalms form our prayers, we pray like the Psalms. Their vocabulary shapes us. They, they, they shape us internally and externally. We learn from them. So that's the second point. We let the, them fill and form our prayers. And then the third way that we let them shape our prayers is we let the Psalms point you to Jesus. Let the Psalms point you to Jesus. The Psalms are Christian scripture and all Christian scripture finds its fulfillment in Christ. It's culmination. It's telos. It's goal. In Jesus Christ. We see this in Luke 24, 44. Jesus tells his disciples everything written about him in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Jesus says the Psalms. Everything written about him in the Psalms must be fulfilled. So they point us to Jesus. How do they do that? Well, first of all, remember that the Lord of the Psalms, when you read Lord in the Psalms, that's Jesus. When they're crying out to the Lord, that's Jesus. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Those of you that were in the Kellen Sunday School class, right? John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. He's always been God. There's never been a time when Jesus was not God. 
So he's the Lord of the Psalms. When it says, the Lord is my shepherd, it is talking about Jesus. It's talking about the Lord. But, but then also remember that the Psalms were a part of the life of Christ. Jesus heard and read the Psalms growing up. He quoted the Psalms during his ministry. He fulfilled the Psalms in his life, death, and resurrection. So these Psalms that we see and we read that point us to Jesus, that's good. Let them do that. But then there's also another way, a less direct way than just New Testament quotes it, and we go back and say, that's about Jesus. How can we let the Psalms point us to Jesus Christ? I want to, to give you three ways that you can think of it. Number one, the promises of the Psalms find their yes in Christ. Remember what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 19 and 20. He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, did not become yes and no. On the contrary, in him it is always yes. Why? For every one of God's promises is what? Yes in him. Every promise you read in the Psalms that you want to appropriate, that you want to claim, that you want to cling to, finds its yes in Jesus. So as you read the Psalms and you say, he promises provision. How do, how do I connect that to Jesus? How do I connect God's provision and the yes in him? So they find their yes in Christ. All the promises of the Psalms find their yes in Christ. Another way is this. The Psalms show us our sin. I think of Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4. David says, Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Wash away completely my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone I have sinned and done no evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass judgment. You are blameless when you judge. Think about Psalm 103. I'm sorry, 130 verse 3. It says, Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? So not only do the Psalms show us our sin... But they also point us to Jesus Christ, that, that we need a Savior, and that Jesus is that Savior. Because Psalm 130, verse 3 says, who could stand? And then immediately after that, in verse 4, it says, but with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered. Verse 7 and 8, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance, and he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great and faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. The Psalms point us to Christ because they show us that we're sinners in need of a Savior. They point us to Christ not only in showing us our sin and our Savior, but the Psalms anticipate the way opened up by Christ. Here's what I mean by this. When you read the Psalms, don't you see there's anger, there's frustration, there's doubt, there's anxiety, right? Now, imagine you had to get rid of that kind of stuff before you could go into God's presence. What hope would you have? Zero. If you had to get yourself clean, if you had to get yourself prepared, if you had to get yourself together and composed and, and spick and span and nice and proper, 
What do the Psalms show us? They show us that we come and we come with our doubts. We come with our fears. We come with our anxieties. And so the Psalms are actually anticipating that there's going to be a day when what keeps us out of God's presence is going to be dealt with such that we can now come with those <coughs> burdens, those, those fears, those doubts. So are you with me? The Psalms show the whole gambit of human emotion and it anticipates that God is going to make a way that we can come regardless of whether we feel worthy, regardless of whether we have it all together, regardless if we feel like we have the answers, the way is open and we can come. The Psalms reveal that we needed someone like Jesus who would come and live a perfect life, that he would take our place on the cross, that he would bear the the judgment for our sins and that he would exhaust the wrath of God towards our sins and that he would save us. We needed God to be gracious and kind to us like the Psalms prayed and he was. God so loved the world in this way that he sent his only son to save us and in sending Jesus Christ who is himself God. God comes in human flesh and so now the Psalms point us to Jesus because they show That Jesus is the shepherd of Psalm 23. They show us that Jesus is the wise man of Psalm 1. They show us that Jesus is the anointed Messiah of Psalm 2. That he is the David who does not see corruption in Psalm 16. That he is the conquering and victorious king of Psalm 110. When we read the Psalms, our hearts are directed through the Psalms to Christ. We are encouraged to find the satisfaction of every longing, the basis of every hope, the answer to every question, the sustenance of our faith in Christ. If you read the Psalms and you don't end up at Jesus, you've gone wrong somewhere. So this morning I've suggested that we read the Psalms as prayers I've offered three ways to do that. We let it inform our theology of prayer. We let them fill and form our prayers. And we let the Psalms point us to Jesus Christ. The good news about the gospel is that Christ did everything to save us. He accomplished our salvation. So that now as Christians, when we read the Psalms, we find the assurance we need. When we doubt. The comfort we need when we are afflicted. The affliction we need when we're too comfortable. We find the beautiful depth and breadth of our salvation. Don't you? Is it not wonderful? That because of what Jesus has done. As we talked about in Sunday school. The way is open. The way is open. And it's not up to you to to get your to get your, yourself under control. You, you don't cry it out and then come to the Lord. You weep before the Lord. You don't wrestle with your doubt and get all the answers and then come to the Lord. You wrestle before the Lord. The Psalms probe our hearts, but they reveal God's heart. 
You could think of it this way. In our day and age, there's a saying we hear often. Uh, this is the saying. There's an app for that. You ever heard that? There's an app for There's an app for everything these days. I, I, there's an app that tells me what weed is growing in my yard. It's just astounding, the, the apps that we have nowadays. But there's an app for that. I want you to know that the Psalms function the same way. If you remember nothing, if you remember by, that by and large it's a true statement for, for what we're saying Whatever you're going through this morning, there's a psalm for that. There's a line, there's a verse, there's a word for what you're going through. And if you will let that word, that psalm, that sentence, that that whole thing speak to you and direct you to Christ and you respond to him, you will find that the psalms will enhance your prayer life. That psalm can give you the vocabulary you need. It can assure you of God's love for you. That you come to him again. Maybe you're here and you don't consider yourself a Christian. And you say, uh, you want to know that the Psalms offer you something today. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, but, but you're not satisfied in life either. You're wrestling with doubt, struggling with stress, overcome with guilt. Dealing with shame with the things you've done. Maybe you're worried what's going to happen when you die. Maybe you just have so many questions about so many things you don't even know where to start. I want you to know that the Psalms that point us Christians to Jesus also point you to Jesus. The answers that you're looking for, whether you realize it or not, are not out there. The answers that you're looking for are in Christ. What you need, what the Psalms would say to you, is that you need to be saved from your sins. That you sinned. And you separated yourself from a holy God. But God so loved you that he sent his son. And that if you trust in what Jesus did in dying on the cross. If you rest in that. In Christ. In Christ alone. If you bet it all on him to be forgiven. You can be saved. Believer. Let the Psalms this morning point you to Christ. Whatever you're dealing with this morning. The answer is not more of you. It's not more of your effort. It's Christ. Come to him today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the psalms that you've given. God, that have nurtured the faith of of countless untold believers. And and Lord, may that be true of us today. God, that we are um, comforted by, by what the psalms are and how they minister to us. Lord, help us to shape our prayers and and be shaped by the Psalms. And let them point us to Jesus, who is our great hope in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.